Hello and welcome back to Access All Areas Podcast. We're proud association with CCFC Fan Store, your one-stop shop for non-official merchandise. Visit them at www.ccfcfanstore.com. Um, no AD tonight. I'm on my own. Um, I know you've had a couple of episodes with just him, so it's nice to see you the way around. Um, and we continue our Club 92 series as we travel virtually around the grounds, getting to know uh, fans from other clubs. Tonight, we're going back to the Northwest and Prenton Park um, as we are joined by FM Twitch streamer and YouTuber and massive Tramia Rovers fan, Echoes. Echoes, thanks for joining us, mate. How are you? And not bad, not bad. Just, just like I said, just home from football. Um, I coach part-time as well, so just in the door, shoved the Burger King down me and on our home. So. Oh, man, really appreciate you giving up your time, mate. Look, look, as I touched on the intro, you, you're quite busy with the stuff you do with FM, so I, I, I appreciate it. You were uh, talking to me. You, you spoke to me on Monday night for a couple of hours, mate. Give me a bit of jip on the uh, Football League Lowdown show. So, yeah. um, just, just a little bit of jip. <laughs> just a little, just a little bit of jip. There's a, there's a lovely clip on Twitter. Go and find it. Um, the main reason we got you on, mate. One because I, I like you, and two, Tramia fans are hard to find. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> well, we 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 tend to hide under rocks for most of the season until we get towards the end and realise we're at Wembley. So that's not how it goes normally. I can understand why. Um, with all our guests, mate, we, we, we'd like to find out, you know, the who's, what's, when's and why's. Um, and Tranmere fascinate me as a club more than anything. They're in an area where they're surrounded by two giants of the English game. Um, Chester so, and Wrexham? Yeah, they're the ones, mate. Yeah, they're the ones. <laughs> they wear red and blue. Uh, they're the main ones. But... I'm sure it's a lot. It's so easy for kids from Birkenhead to kind of e- e- easily follow you for those sides. What was it that kind of got you wearing the white uh, of Tramia? Well, my dad, basically, he he was a Tramia fan through and through. He, he was going to Tramia games away from home when we were getting sub one thousand crowds at home, uh, and he took me to my first game in the eighties. And you know, once you get, it was funny because my all my mum's side of the family, they are. I'm not a scouser. We'll, we'll start off with that. People from Birkenhead aren't scouts. And ask anyone from Liverpool, and they will tell you they're not scouts. And we're, we're quite happy with that. So, but my mum is, and all her side of the family are all Blues, all Everton fans. Mm-hmm. So there was pressure coming that way. And when I was in the 80s, obviously Everton were the best team in the world. Yeah. Uh, until until we were unceremoniously thrown out of Europe. All of England. So, yeah, they were the best team in the world. So, there's a bit of pressure coming that way. But my dad got hold of me and went, right, some we're going to a Tramia game. And from the moments I can remember football, watching Tramia, I was just in love. See, we spoke about this quite a lot uh, when we spoke to fans of other clubs. Um, the girls from Rochdale, when we spoke to them, you know, they're in a hotbed of, of bigger clubs, as it were, for want of a better term. You know, but they said it's that moment when they first walked through the turnstiles, and the, you know, you can the smells, the sounds, they all come flooding back when you talk about it. Is, is is that something that helped grip you? That you know, that yeah. first time well, it's, it's funny because the, the one of the things that gets you when you go to Tramia is they come out to the Rockford files, bizarrely. Okay. Okay. okay, and the story behind that is Tramia used to play on a Friday night to avoid clashing with Everton and Liverpool to try and get the crowds up a little bit. Fair enough. But it was at the same time as the Rockford Files was on. This is the, what was told. This is a story I've been told. Someone, what will happen is some Tramia fan will come on and go, it's not that. It was Jim Rockford who once scored a goal. At, you know you know what I mean? But anyway, this is the story I was told. So 
it was on at the same time as the Rockford Files. So Tramia just adapted and come out to the Rockford Files. And it's very similar to the way Everton come out to Z Cars. It mm. makes no sense at all. But as soon as you hear the Rockford Files come on, you get the you know the goosebumps and everything. And that that was it. The Rockford Files come on. The guys over the tannoy and you know welcome Tramia Rovers and you know the couch we used to have in the before the new ground was built or rebuilt. We had a, uh, uh, we still have the end. It's called the Cowshed End, but that's where mm. the Tramia fans were, all the singers. And, the, and it, the, it was a small roof. You, you get the old pictures of it. It's small, yeah. small roof, and it's you know an old stand, and it's all standing. And the noise you used to get trapped under there, but it was quite a noise from even just a couple of, couple of thousand fans. And it was it was just that. And I never ever from going to the first game, I never wanted to go to Liverpool or Everton. Mm. See, I, I understand. But I still talk about my get my first game quite a lot. Um, again, Highfield Road, good old fashioned stadium. Um, the, the noise just seemed to stick in there, like you say. And I talk about it, I get goosebumps. I, something I don't know if, if I've mentioned before, I, I live not that far away from the site of the old Highford Road, and I must drive past there once or twice a week. And I'll make a detour of driving past where the turnstiles were just to kind of get that feeling again. Yeah. Um, obviously, obviously, I know personally, but you don't live in the area anymore, do you? No, so, no I, um, I, I live over in Northern Ireland now, so. And I'll say of the only things that I miss of being back in England is is Tramia. I really sometimes, and it's really strange to say, but sometimes it's it's heartbreaking having to listen to them on the radio or watch them on iFollow. Yeah, and you just want to be there. I think my, my dad's still a season six holder. Um, my stepmom goes with them. My two brothers are now back living on the world, and they've got season tickets and go. So, but the only time I get to go is when I go home, and the last two years because of COVID. We ha- I haven't been home. I haven't been home in two years. So I haven't been to a tramway game since Exeter. In No, the, actually, the playoff final at Wembley was my last game, uh, you know, last tramway game. But that uh, doesn't count because that's not in tramway, is it? It's not. No. So the home, last time I went, there. the last time I went then was three years ago. It was at Exeter at home, 2 0, the season we got promoted. And we went, and it was my dad's 60th birthday, and we got on the Platinum Lounge. Um, mm. So we got a meal and everything and stuff like that. He didn't know what was happening. He was just told to. My dad's funny. He was just told to wear trousers. I don't <laughs> want no. I don't want no knockoff pump sport. Trout. You got to wear a pair of trousers, a pair of shoes, and a shirt. You know. <laughs> and he did, and he didn't know what was happening. And we got outside the ground. We got we got one of those. You know, the, you get the bricks. You used to be able to get the, the, the bricks engraved yeah. up by the statue. There's a big statue of Johnny King and the bricks there. And there's, there's just me and my two brothers and my dad, the brick dedicated to us nice. as well outside. And it's, just, it's little things like that that you can do at small clubs like Tramway, and that's why I love it, because it, you're not going to get a brick at Old Trafford. Yeah. Re- realistically, if they put bricks on sale, say they've got, uh, we're going to put them 10,000 the likelihood of you getting one is very slim. Yeah, they, they sold out in half an hour, and yeah. 90%, 90% of them have been people that have been to Old Trafford. Yeah, um, and and that's just they're a global brand, so yeah. I, I get that completely. But but that kind of ties in a little bit, you know, with, with those early memories. I found as a Cov fan, you know, with it being a small club in the Premier League, the players were quite accessible. The training ground was quite accessible. Did did you have that same sort of thing with Tramway? Yeah, well, not only that, the early memories. Tramway players used to come into our primary school and train yeah. us for ball and stuff like you know. You're, you're like, wow, where's you know Chris Malkin at my school? You know, mm. you know, teachers us how to play football. Guy couldn't play football himself. He was just dead. 
But you know, he scored a scored a few goals, but he's really fast. But it was stuff, the community stuff is massive, massive, mm. supporting a lower league team. Uh, you, even now they do so much in the community. You can you can criticize our owners for a lot of things, but they have been really good owners, and the community stuff they brought back in has been unreal. And it, it, part of that. You know, even going to school, I was going to school with my kit, and no one in my class supported Tramiket, despite it being on our doorstep. And it was, yeah. it was almost like I was, I was, you know, you go support you have at Liverpool, and you, games you'll never get to go to. I'm a Tramiket fan, you know, kind of thing. And that, that early, that, yeah, like, I mean, that earliest memory. I mean, my first game was a game against Scarborough in 1987, and I don't remember much. In fact, I probably don't remember anything about it. But my earliest memory, I think, it was a game in '88, '89. We played Barry at home and we were two 0 up. And my dad, I, it was the first time my brother had gone with us. He's two years younger than me, and my dad said we were that badly behaved. We've caused Barry to score four goals and win four two. And we got promoted that year to uh, the third division at the time. But he said it was our fault, and he banned brilliant. he banned us for a few for a little while from going. That's so, brilliant. You see. Because I'm quite superstitious. Uh, I've had this conversation with a few people. So this season, um, Victor Jokeres for Cobb started the season on fire scoring goals. I got a Sweden shirt and started wearing it to games. Um, <laughs> and he stopped scoring. Um, yeah, just so now, Yeah, so now I feel obliged to not wear it. But up until the West Brom game, we hadn't lost while I was wearing it. And it sounds daft because I sit nowhere near the pitch. So it's not as if they're stood there looking for a fat bloke in a yellow shirt going, yeah, he's wearing it, we've got a win today. <laughs> um, but, 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 but every football fan has that sort of superstition, don't they? That, they do, yeah. You know, it's, it, whether it's the routine in the morning, if it's... It, it's funny because I've got a Wembley one now. So the first time we got to Wembley, not so long back against Forest Green, I flew in and flew out the same day. So we lost. So the next, what I did the next two times we got to Wembley is I flew in and then got the train back to Birkenhead with the fans oh, mate. and then and then stayed at my mum's that night and then flew home so so we lost the first one I did it differently the second time so then the next one that came against Newport I did exactly the same thing I flew into City Airport the day of the game and then got the train back to Birkenhead with the rest of the fans that's unreal that is there's something about that train journey out of Wembley Park, no matter where you go, it's somehow else, isn't it? Especially, well, especially if you've won. Um, yeah, especially because it, I remember the, the game against Forest Green. I mean, I, I, it's funny being a Tramway fan because you've been to Wembley a lot. I mean, in the ninety, in the early nineties, uh, ninety was it eighty nine? It was nineteen ninety ninety one and ninety two, eighty nine ninety and ninety ninety one. We got to Wembley four times, so that helped me growing up. Because you go and we, we, we beat Bristol Rovers in the Rayland Daft Cup final 2 1. And then I think one of the, we'll get to the the worst memories, but one, the next week was the big one that we wanted to win. And we were the best team in the division. We got beat by Notts County 2 0. And I've never forgiven Notts County for that, even though I was seven years old. I can't stand them because of that. We lost 2 0 and we lost comfortably 2 0. But the next year, we lost. To Birmingham 3-2 in the Leyland Daft. I think it changed its name to something else by then. It may have been something else, but it was the Leyland Daft. It changes its name every year, doesn't yeah. it? So the EFL trophy is called now. Uh, so, but the week after we beat Bolton 1-0 at Wembley, 
and we ate Bolton. <laughs> and I can remember... You've never mentioned it, mate. Yeah, I can remember <laughs> coming home on... We got this minibus from the Woodchurch. Now, any Trammy fans are listening, I'm, I, I was I grew up on the Woodchurch. It's one of the most run-down estates in England. We got this minibus from the Woodchurch, and I'm pretty sure it broke down on the way. We were pissing on the side of the, the motorway and stuff on the way down. There's flags all out the window. And I'm the only kid. You know, the bottom game, no, my brother was there. My brother's there. And actually, we've gone to an interesting story about that. So we're, we're, it's the other games. I was the only one. We're the only two kids in the back. We're listening to War of the Worlds. You ever heard War of the Worlds by mm. Jeff Wayne? Yeah. On the way down. So we listen to that. And we get there. We get to this pub. And I'm, what, seven? My brother's five. And we're in this pub. I'm a brother. We're, we're playing on the, the slides and stuff like that. And some Bolton fan come and pushes my brother. He's five. I think he just decked him. And it started like this big commotion and uproar. My dad's going, come on, boys, you started the riot. <laughs> <laughs> and he's dragging us off this pub, you know, playground. <laughs> oh, but, uh-huh. the, but I think my, my dad was, he was so happy that we won that game. Yeah. And like I said, to go to go to Wembley four times when you've just started watching Tramia as well really does help. And then we went into that. We had, we had entered in the you know the, what's called the championship now, and we got for the for three or four seasons. The first season we consolidated and were fine, and we we got Aldridgen. Then we started bringing in like Pat Nevin and Sean Teal, you know, and players like that. And we were at the time we were the second best team on Merseyside. We didn't. We missed that. We got to the playoffs three times in a row as Everton were just avoiding relegation. And we were so much better than they were. And had we made that step up, we could be talking about Tramia being a you know, a regular yo-yo, yo-yo, either yo-yo club or still bottom end Premier League. You know, it was hmm. just that we fe- we just bottled it three years running. I, I mean, probably at one season, we were top of the league by two, three points without three games to go. And West Brom are fighting relegation because West Brom will lose 6-1. You know, some mad results, but, but yeah, so a tram, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I can't <coughs> football. Yeah, no, I, I get that completely. See, I remember that period of time because I remember we played Everton last game of the season at Goodison and they needed to beat us to stay up. I think Gareth Farrelly scored. There, there's a name yeah. for you. Um, we had a few seasons row because remember there was always the rumour that Wimbledon and paid Hans Sagan's been paid off. Yeah, Everton had to beat Wimbledon to stay up. Yeah, and and they were Wimbledon were two 0 up, and then out of nowhere lost three two at the very end of the game. And there was always rumour Hans Sagan, but at that time, Tramway were a better team than Everton. You know, there's no doubts about it. it. It's one of those sliding doors sort of moments, yeah, isn't it? it is, yeah. If you if you go up and they go down, what happens? Um, I know Aidy's not here, but um, we, we still need to incorporate his favourite part of uh, the conversation. Um, he's known as the guy who loves his shirts. So, and again, it ties in with your early memories because that nostalgia comes in as well. Um, your first Tramway shirt. My first Tramway shirt. I know nobody else will see this because they're on the. Uh, it's it's on the webcam, but um, it's a 1987-88 yellow. And I mean proper yellow Tramia shirt, and there it is there. It it wouldn't go round one of my ankles. It was that small. It's tiny. So I was four or five when I got this. I love the um, sort of two tone 
checker flag sort of effect around the cups yeah. and the neck. Yeah, and that's what all our tops used to be like. If there's mm. there's a white top behind me, you see just hanging yeah. up there. That is the that is the home version of that. Um, that that's my dad's one mm. that I've got the. They've got um, the Preston collar as well, haven't they? Yeah, there's a. It's like a the checkered collar there as well. It's not mm. like proper collar, but it's like. But that's what. Going back, that's when they used to make kits properly. That's yeah. a hand, that, that, you know, you know, that's handmade. It's embroidered. The badges yeah. are embroidered on properly. They're not just they're not these things that just stick on. Yeah, stick and on, or, or even worse, the ones that are sublimely printed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what, yeah. and, and that's why very fair. I mean, it's funny because my mum sent me that over a few weeks back. She said, "I've just found a load of your old shirts." I was, it's the yellow one in there. I said, I don't think there is a yellow one in there. Now, the one, the other one I was looking for was a black and yellow one from the mid '90s that I loved. But yeah, that's my, my very first shit. It's funny because I was, I tried to, I was going to say, Ben, will you put that on? And I looked and went, "You're 11 now. It's never going to fit you." <laughs> <laughs> but I've got, I've no. got 30, 40 tram shirts, you know, up the stairs, and um, I've got loads of other teams as well. You know, I've, I just remember when I used to go to JJB years ago. Mm. And so you used to be able to pick up a shirt for a five or a tenner. Yeah. Just an old, you know, it's three-year-old shirt. So I remember one year getting, I went in with 15 quid and I come up with a Sunland shirt when they used to have, we used to be sponsored by the, was it, was it uh, a bitter company? I can't remember what bitter company it was. Uh, I got a PSG shirt, which I wore out in Plymouth. And uh, the guy thought I was French. And I got a Celtic shirt. Remember the, a luminous orange and sorry, luminous yellow and black Celtic shirt. Yes, I, I got that in in one go. I went in there with fifteen quid and went, "Oh, look at all these shirts!" You know, it was. To be fair, I, I remember you could get it because you'd wear them for five a side, just because yeah. you didn't yeah. you, you didn't care sort of thing. And I remember I've had some right random shirts over the years. I had a Chelsea shirt, the old. The year they first changed the badge, Samsung. It was the Jose Mourinho season. Yeah, remember I got it for six quid. I got, I've got one of them upstairs. The Mourinho yeah. season Chelsea shirts. And the other thing, my aunt used to wear for Umbro, hmm. and she used to come home which, with a box of stuff, and she wouldn't check what's in it. But it was just stuff that was, was maybe maybe the bit of embroidery was wrong, or it had a bit of a fray, so they'd just been in it. So remember, she used to come home every now and again with a box and go, "Here is a box of stuff," and you don't know. And I got a salmon pink. Scotland shirt one year from it must have been about 1997. It was gorgeous shirt though, salmon pink shirt. There was Umbro shorts from all sorts of different clubs. That, you know, I used to I used to love doing that. So even now, like my son who's 11, I will go to get job lots off eBay of football shirts. Like yeah. people go, why have you got a Bordeaux shirt? And you're 11. <laughs> he's walk, he's running around football in a Bordeaux shirt. Uh, he's got. We did a we did a save last season on YouTube with Darlington. He's got okay. two Darlington shirts because I went to the Darlington website and I, I bought the Darlington shirts cheap for him. They were, they were doing them for like seven pound fifty something for one shirt, but they sent me two. They sent me the season before as well. So he's what he's running around football uh, in his academy in a Darlington shirt. People are going, who are they? Because we're in Northern Ireland, they wouldn't have an idea. Yeah. <laughs> Rocking around Belfast in a Bordeaux shirt, yeah, yeah. Um, it, but it's crazy because you see kids now in Real Madrid, Barcelona shirts, all that sort of stuff. Oh, like like you say, those little obscure ones. Um, it is it is good to see. We've touched on a fair few shirts there. Um, I only know the answer to this because you've told me before. But your favourite primary shirt of all time? 
It's it's the claret and blue one from the the Wembley game against Bolton. Uh, any Travi fans listening to this will know exactly the shirt I mean. It's the it's it's cut. The claret and blue is cut down. It's not down the middle lengthways. It's like diagonally down the middle. So the blue half's the top, and the diagonal bottom half is the is the claret. And it's just it's an it's an iconic shirt for Tramia fans because yeah. you you remembered Chris Malcolm scoring the goal at Wembley, and you know run away in that shirt, and that's my favourite one. Uh, there's loads of really nice Tramia shirts. Don't get me wrong, especially from say late eighties to mid nineties, we had some absolute cracker shirts. Uh, then we went into kind of being made by you know companies like Vandenel and stuff like that. And you're thinking oh, they're not they're just Shirts, yeah. shirts, but just, just cheap ones. I'm, look, I'm looking over your shoulder. I can see a Cabrini one, and I just think, yeah, exactly. The Cabrini yeah. one, it's and the problem with those ones, Cabrini's obviously JD, isn't it? Yeah, but they just make the same shirt, yeah, for, for everyone, and all they do is change the color. Now, I like that one because it's the most luminous yellow you can get. I like real gash, you know, you know, brash shirts, I do have a load of brass shirts, but but yeah, so. In fact, this season's shirt, we'll probably move on to that. Yeah. This season's shirt I do quite like. Now, it's it's kind of a retro shirt in a way. Is It's it's based on one from the, the 90s. And in fact, over my shoulder, the one from the 90s is just on yeah. my shoulder behind me. Um, So it was, it's, it's got two bars. It's got a green and a blue and bar a blue with bar, a whirl yeah. in the middle. So they tried to do that. The problem with it this year, we're made by a company called Mills, which is... It only does trammy shirts, football shirts wise, I think. Okay. I think someone will correct me that, but we've we got the, the, they exclusively make trammy shirts now, whereas we used to be made by Puma. And I had the problem with Puma that every single Puma shirt was just a generic shirt that they just make loads of them and go, right, there's a trammy badge, there's an Oldham badge, there's a Salford badge, you know what I mean? All that changed yeah. the color of it. But we, we had the same with Noink a couple of years ago. Um, and just to show how off the shelf they were, uh, no, sorry, this was Puma. This was Puma again. Um, in the club shop, there was three shirts that, were, that had the Leicester badge on them. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it's, it, it just shows that in the factory, it's a case of, oh, shit, forgot to change that setting. Yeah. Um, and and, it's and, funny and, and because unless you're a massive, massive club, you've no say in the design. So those. Yeah. So unless you're a United or an Arsenal or Chelsea, where they do have a say in the design of their shirt, you know, we don't. We just get the generic mm. stuff, and that's where we move to Mills. So we have, we do have a say in what the shirts look at, and the fans voted on the shirt this year. So that's it was a there's there's four that. designs. You can vote on it. it. Was the same with the away shirt. The away shirt's quite nice as well. The only issue I have with the shirt is where I used to love having Wirral as a sponsor because you knew automatically it was Tramia, but mm-hmm. the the way the sponsor is, it's it's not centered. Because no, it sits on the bottom bar, doesn't it? Yeah, it sits on the bottom bar, and it's, I think it's because the the SR has got a little star above what the last letter. Right. Okay. And if you move that up, the S, the the red star would sit in the other bar. So I think right, that's that what it sense. is. Other than that, I, I do like this year's shirt. Um, I am getting the away one and well, the two away ones for Christmas. Um, again, I. It's funny. My job when when I, we work from home now, so. Before that, my job, I had to be in a suit every day. Suit every single day without fail. So I used to get home, chuck my suit off, and chuck a football top on. Now I work from home. The only time I'm not wearing a hoodie or a football top is when I've got a really important meeting. I've got to turn my camera on. Yeah, no, mate, 100%. (laughs) 
it, it's it's a long running joke with with my work colleagues that I only wear football shirts. Yeah. Um, and 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 they've seen all of my collection the last couple of years. Um, and when we had to go back, we went back into the office for the first time in November. Um, and the, the the first joke was, oh, I expected to have a football tie on at least. Yeah. Well, and it's funny. Like, nah. In Northern Ireland, it's it's funny because most workplaces, even if they are completely casual, won't let you wear a football shirt. In, in, case, we, we in case you turn up in a Rangers or a Celtic shirt and there's problems. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's the I reason. And I, I remember when I first moved over here and got my job where I work now. I've been there 17 years now. About two weeks of the job, um, it was November. And Northern, I, I've said about the, Northern Ireland is slightly colder than England. Just the way geographics a bit further north, mm. um, and I remember wearing a tramia scarf into work. I was sitting down and I got pulled into a meeting. That's all I suppose. And they said, "You can't wear that in." I'm in a suit. What do you mean? What, what, what I'm wearing wrong? You know the, the football scarf. And I, I went and got it. He said, "Do you know who they are?" No, no. I said, "Tramia, you can't wear football scarf just in case it causes a bit of friction." So I said, "If I if the tramia scarf causes any friction." I'll give you a tenner. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it, it's. I, I get it in a place like Northern Ireland because of the troubles, etc. But um, you, you see now they've got football shirt Friday and stuff. Uh, yeah. And again, the running joke with my colleagues was that I'd wear normal clothes that day because um, <laughs> I wore football shirts every other time. Um, right. I, we, we spoke to death about shirts. I want to talk football again. Um, <laughs> Obviously, you know, I, I, I did a football league load damage on them and then I so I kind of know how Tramia were getting on. But a lot of people listen to this won't. What's your thoughts on the current season, how how the land lies, um, and how you make that next step? Well, it's it's a funny one because we're not having a great season and I think it, I don't think I know it boils down to the recruitments in the summer. We got a solid defence, we got so you know, a couple of really good right and left back. We got Dacre, we got Dacris Cogley on on the right from Birmingham, and that boy is a top end League One, if not Championship right back all day long. Really good, really quick. Uh, McDonald on the left is a really good left back. We got him from Blackpool. Uh, we had him on loan last season, and he joined about midway through last season. He joined full time. You know, he he signed full time. And then we got Tom Davis and. What's it called? Uh, Peter Clark at the back, who are absolutely mm. solid defenders. Peter Clark, there's actually a video of him tackling people with his head. Oh, everyone's got a lot of time for that, haven't And they? he's nearly 40. Well, he is. He's even nearly 40. He's just about to turn 40. But he read And you get this a lot. He reads the game well. Well, he does. He knows where that ball's going to be. And he's a superb leader and everything. So defensively, we're good. Midfield-wise, we've got some cracking midfielders. Kieran Morris... We've got Josh Hawks on loan from Sunderland, who's superb. Uh, Jay Spearing's in there. He will kick anybody. Uh, we've got the lad on loan, O'Connor, from Celtic, who can play that role as well, but can play right back too. We've got some really we've got some decent midfielders in there. Our problem is, and you've heard me say it before, is up front. So you'll you'll see it. We've we've scored the least, probably the least amount of goals in the division. We've conceded the least amount of goals in the division as well. So and pretending to watch them. <laughs> yeah, so it's exciting stuff. But if we get a goal scorer in January and maybe a couple of additions to, to just bottom out the squad, I think we go up. 
if we go, if we just get a goal scorer, we I think we go because the this it's the movement. The the lad that Nevis up front, he's come from uh, is it Warrington Rylands? He came from well well down in non league. Uh, he gives everything. I give the lad it. He's, he's got a good goal at the, the weekend. Yeah. Um, but he's never going to bang you in twenty goals a season. He's not the he's not your, he's not the James Norwood or an Elliot List at Stevenage. He's never going to bang in that many goals a season. Uh, and then we brought in Maynard. To be honest, he just looks past it. Uh, he's he's his, 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 he'll make runs. I, I like it because he, he's more he's intelligent. He'll make good runs and drag players, but he hasn't got the pace anymore. Well, I don't think he's got the desire either. Uh, and then the other one is Pavel Glatzel from Liverpool. Mm. Could, he is starting to look like a good player. He's been injured the last few weeks. But when he first came in, I don't know if you've noticed, when you get players from under 23 teams in the Premier League, they are not used to proper football. Yeah, They're used to a very sanitised version of football where people don't tackle each other. So mm. his first few games, people were blowing on him and he'd fall over. You know, he just was not used to getting tackled. And Mickey Mellon, I think, said... The last few months, we've just been getting the lads to kick him in training and go through him. So he gets used to being kicked everywhere because that's what's going to happen. And you get it a lot with the players that come from the under-23 teams. And, and that's why, you know, you look at watch the, the Johnson's paint checker trade pizza trophy. Yeah. When the under-23 teams end up playing, at the early stages, they'll play teams that are playing there, basically the reserves. But as you get progress a little bit, those under-23 teams start getting battered yeah. because they're not used to being hit by fellas. Well, yeah, I, I think anyone listening to this um, at, at some point has had someone coming. I remember the season we got relegated to League uh, League Two. We had uh, Vernon coming on loan from Derby, and he was the next big thing. Um, hadn't played a minute of first team football for him, but he was the next big striker to come through Championship level. Um, and first game we played Wimbledon, and he got absolutely mullered. And the the lad just didn't want to know. After that, went back to to Derby, disappeared. I think he, I think he's at Bradford now. He was at Grimsby, but I think he's at Bradford now. Um, but but you, he's doing okay. But like you say, it's you know from growing up. From when I grew up playing kids football, I played to a fairly decent standard up to youth level. That our our coaches would say, see the your opponent you're playing against. Make sure you hit them hard in the first few minutes, and they won't play the rest of the game. Yeah, and it's almost that mentality. You're playing at League Two. There is some fantastic footballers at League Two level, but they've had to learn to take a hit. Well, I'll go back to that horrible season we got relegated from League One. We tried to play some lovely football, lovely football. Can't do that against Burton, Wimbledon, um, Derry at the time, Northampton. Clubs sometimes, like sometimes you've just got to grind out a win or a result. And, and that's what we couldn't do. We, we were still trying to play the fancy little passes around the corner. And just getting lumps kicked out of us and wondering why we're losing to Yeovil. Well, that's why, because they know how to results. And they know how to get those niggly little fouls. And and we found this a lot in the conference that teams would come to Tramia and it was their cup final. They'd never, they, at the time Tramia had the biggest yeah. round in non-league. They were getting the biggest crowds in non-league. And they'd come to Tramia and it and they'd go one nil up. You know, from and it wouldn't be a beautiful goal. It'd be a lumped forward. It's bounced and someone's kicked in, or it's gone off a, a couple of deflections from a corner. It's gone in, and for the rest of the game, they'd spend the game going down like a sack of spuds. You know, kicking the players, just wasting time, and you're losing at home to teams like Boreham Wood and stuff like you're thinking, oh, how are we losing this game? We've been all over them, and 
you just got to be, you got to learn how to play at that level. Because mm. if you're a good team, other teams want to drag you down to their level. They don't want to play yeah. you at the passing game. Now, you do get some good passing football teams in League Two. You've got the likes of Exeter and things like that who play good football. And if if you, you play football as well, it's a good game to watch. But then you come against teams like Crawley mm. and, and teams like that who don't. Fair play to John Young, just keep them they're up. They're spoiled. They're there to spoil the game and win 1 0. You know, yeah. they're not going to go out and beat, win 3 4 0. They're going to win 1 0. Yeah, I get that completely. Um, just to come back to Tranmere and the recruitment in the summer. So obviously James Vaughan retired at the end of the year. Yeah, he, he um, was he was the basic James Vaughan retiring in many ways stopped not just Keith Hill, but James Vaughan getting injured stopped us going up. The goals dried mm-hmm. up when he when he retired. Now, having listened to James Vaughan's interviews and stuff like that, his body was just wrecked. And he was going out there and getting pummeled. And he was one of those strikers that would go up and kick a defender and but he scored goals and he really did. He was there, always there at the right time to score goals. And it's very hard to replace a strike like that. And yeah. in the summer, we definitely, coming, even coming towards the end of the window, we're going, we need strikers. We, the, the rest of the squad is okay. We need strikers. And it just it just didn't happen. The one we were supposed to get, and if if, if Skivvy's listening to this, he's going to laugh because no, we were supposed to get Mark McNulty on loan from Reading. And yeah, I can see you laughing as well. So, uh, it was a pretty he, much he, done, it was a pretty much done deal for the whole summer, pretty much done deal for the whole summer, because but because Reading were under an embargo, they couldn't release him. Okay, so we had all our eggs in that basket, and then when it came to him being released to go on loan to Tramia, we were going to pay him a fair whack of wages, but Dundee come in once the embargo was lifted, or you know they could loan players out and offered more, and they had to even if McNulty wanted to come to Tramia. He had to go to wherever the best offer was for the club. It's, it's mental when, when you know these sort of policies get involved. The, the, the reason I laugh, mate, Mark McNulty got us promoted from League Two. I know, um, and, I, and I, I was uh, one of the because I knew he, he played, and that was one of the reasons we wanted him in. And all the fans going, yeah, but when he played for Coventry, they were saying, oh, he hasn't scored many in the Championship or League One. But everyone's going, yeah, but when he played for Coventry in League Two, he scored goals, and yeah, we're in and League Two. And that's all you wanted. And that's yeah. literally... And looking at the squad you've got and the players around it, you know, you, you mentioned Spearing. Uh, you've got some good old heads in there as well. Callum McManaman coming in. Um, you know, Leon Feeney. Maynard as well would, would, would have been a great foil for him. I, I think he, he's that... He's the difference for you this season. Um, yeah. And, that, and that's someone who's seen him first-hand. I know he's gone off the boil a little bit. Um, I... <laughs> Look, he was ill-advised. He should have stayed with us when we went to League One. But Reading come calling, they offer him, you know, five figures a week. We can yeah. compete with that. Yeah, was, I, mean, I think he was on something like ten grand a week at, at Reading. Yeah, yeah. And, and you have to remember as well when you when you're a, a lower league footballer. Yeah, yeah. And people talk about loyalty a lot in lower league football. Oh, he's gone for the money. Well, yeah. You say, oh, he's on two grand a week. That's great money. And yeah, it's not. It is great money. But it's only great money until you're thirty-five. Yeah. And then you've got nothing because you've you, you've got to rely on what you've either invested it in, or you have to get another job. And it's why you see it's funny because it's why you see a lot of the pundits like Matt Letizia is a pundit because he didn't earn a great deal at Southampton, mm. you know. And that's why you see all those lower league players. You can name loads of lower league players that are now, you know, a plumber. Oh yeah, or, or a policeman or stuff like that. 
so it's it's not it's not life changing money. So when someone comes along and says, "I'm going to give you ten thousand pounds a week to kick a bag of window," you're going to go, "Yeah, well, I'm going to have to go." Oh, hundred percent, mate. And the thing is, as far as no loyalty to Coventry City Football Club, let's be honest, he doesn't support us. We yeah. employed it. We employed him. That was it. If Moy Gaffer turned, if, you know, said to me, "Look, Neil, this you're not going to get a pay rise this year," but the next council along, say, "Here, mate, eager, mate, I'll double your wages." See yeah, you later. Yeah, yeah all, all the best. Um, you know, that's just life. Um, you, you're sitting just outside the playoffs at the minute. Um, yeah, we've got a game oh, in hand as well. Yeah, which takes you fourth. It would take us fourth. Uh, it'd take us joint, I think, with the team in third. But our goal difference is like one. Yeah. <laughs> which is what well, I haven't said. If you look at the rest of the division, other than two or three teams, Everyone's goal difference is one or five. You know? yeah. So it's like it's another one of those divisions where everyone beats each other. However, a few weeks ago, you know, you could have been 18th and won two games and be just outside the playoffs. It's starting to fracture a bit now where there's gaps forming um, with no danger of going down. And I thought with Mickey Mallon, we were never in danger of going down, even if we'd had a, a real terrible season. But Mickey Mallon has this habit of after Christmas, just going on a mad run. And I mean, he, he, everywhere he's been, he's got a, after Christmas, it's just got a ma- massive stellar run because he's massive on the fitness side. Mm. He has them all wearing the the, the, the things on the bats for, to measure the the um, steps and the heart rate and all that. So generally, at the end, come the end of the season, his teams are still fit, whereas everyone else is getting knackered and niggles. It's just we have to get a goal scorer. Yeah. Obviously, you know, we spoke before um, doing the Football League lowdown um, and mentioned about James Norwood. Obviously, he, he wasn't going to look in uh, uh, Ipswich. Although he did score at the weekend, yeah, though. He scored at the weekend after Paul Cook's gone. Um, but obviously, Tranmere legend. If we could get Norwood on loan and pay a part of wages, yes, uh, we, we'd bite your hand off. But, and I, and I think it could happen. The only but is. Could Wrexham, and it would break my heart if Wrexham come in and pay. Go well, you know, we know we'll give, give him all the wages. You know, oh, and he goes there. They've done it with Paul Mullen, haven't they? That you know. Yeah, and uh, Paul Mullen's an interesting one. He never really got a proper look in a Tramia because James Norwood had that season, mm. and the next season Paul Mullen for Cambridge goes and has that season. But the he's only have a Paul Mullen's only had one good season his whole career. Well, he's not scored that many at Wrexham, has he? I think he hasn't, and most of them have been penalties. Which is crazy, considering... I think he's on four grand a week, if not six. You think it would be six? Is it six, four? Yeah, six? It, might, it might be six in non-league, which is mental. But same with, same with Stockport. Yeah, they, they got both. They got Gary Medine, they got playing for them. and I, don't, I think he may be there. They've got... Uh, no, Gary Medine's at Blackpool. No, it's um, the other guy... Um, They've got, um, I know exactly who you mean. Funnily enough, I watched a YouTube video the other day on the top 10 paid players in non league. And it's you were, all... watching, you were watching HITC sevens. I did, I did, I did, I did watch HITC sevens. I watched sevens. that as well. Shout out if you're listening, mate. Um, you won't be, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we're watching that video and you know, just seeing the fact it was literally Stockport, Stockport, Rexon, 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 yeah. Stockport, Stockport. But what makes me laugh about that whole situation is remember, Stockport went bust. Yeah, and now, and now I'm I don't know what the background of the owners is, but they're doing it again. They're spending money that they're not making. You know, it's it's it's, it's weird. You know, I'm I'm sure 
we, we can speak about owners and stuff at, at loads of football clubs and things. But at least, you know, as a Cov fan, we're not going, we're not, we're not spending above our weight, you know, we're, no, we're spending no. what we can. And, you know, from what you said, Tramway are doing the same. Um, what's the minimum expectation this season for Tramway? I think the minimum expectation before the season started was playoffs. That was the that, I think that was the minimum expectation Tramway should be making the playoffs. Had we signed the strat, had we signed McNulty, I'd say we'd expect it automatic. So it's highly dependent on what happens in January. I mean, I think we should, obviously we're not, never worried about going down, but if we sign a striker, we should be making minimum in the playoffs. And if you get you get sign a striker and he hits the ground running, I can still see I can still see us making autos, but it's 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 all contingent on that striker coming in. Because we don't we don't we'll we, we might scrape the playoffs. Well, we do a show on a Monday night uh, on Twitch, the Football League logo, and I've mentioned it a couple of times. That's how me and I kind of know each other. So if you've enjoyed hearing us talk about League Two, um, feel free to join us on Monday night. I'll get, I'll get a cheap plug in for scoops. Um, when we tweet this out, we'll make sure the link's in there. Um, feel free to come and join us at, uh, and have a chat about the EFL, as it were. And um, you'll hear more gems like this. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so again, I, I, should we? I'd like to think we'd make the playoffs, but we need that striker. Hundred percent, mate. Right. Let's go back in time a little bit. Um, you've mentioned a couple of trips to Wembley. You've mentioned being the second best side. Uh, you know, on Merseyside. We could even the top. We could even been the best. Liverpool were great them days. Yeah. To be fair, on the ground stuff. Yeah, you're not too far wrong. <laughs> um, what are those happy, you know, highlight uh, moments of being a Tramway fan? I suppose there's been a lot, but I picked out, I'd say, in my head, three. The first one is St Yates Day at Goodison Park. To work, to go to Goodison Park and win three 0 in the FA Cup. Now it was a funny day because I had the flu that day. And when you say, oh, it's a bit of man flu, I had the proper flu. I was absolutely dying. Uh, and I think my brothers managed to drag me to the game because I wanted to go, but I was really ill. And to sit there and watch us dismantle Everton on TV, you know, the 6,000 Tramia fans in the ground. And it was funny because I always remember the commentary, the commentary and the guy, the guy, I can't remember who's commentating, he says, 6,000 Tramia fans, or only 6,000 Tramia fans, managed to make it sound like 40,000. And I, I remember watching it go and watching it back going, they only give us 6,000 tickets. <laughs> we'd, <laughs> we'd have sold good to sit out if they'd give us the tickets, you know. But, um, you know, we're 3 0 up and we're looking to score more goals and we're singing, Are You Chester in Disguise to them? And oh, oh brilliant. Get good. I mean, watching it back. The goals were great as well. One the first one was a loop and header at the back post of Steve Yates that loops in. I think they were Thomas Myra. And it's in a, the second one's a Jason Kumas one where the ball's laid into him just inside the box. Oh, and he faces the wrong way. And he and he, he just clips it over the top of the goalkeeper. And what a player Kumas was. And the the, the crown off, we call it Steve Yates because he got two goals. Was an absolute bullet of a header from a corner. Corner comes in, and he just comes in and hits it so hard. You'd, you'd think it was it come out of a cannon. It's into the back of the net, and we're going absolutely wild. And like I said, I've got the flu, but the adrenaline's going through me that I'm dancing all. I've got my brothers on my shoulders and everything. 
you know, at this end, and there's all the Everton fans after the third goes in, start to stream out. We're going bye 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 bye, and are oh, you Chester? And I know, oh, gives you again gives you when you get those little bits of being a you know a lower league when you get those little bits of glory. Yeah, I think you can save them a little bit more than you know if you're a, you know a Liverpool fan, a United fan, of Chelsea, they win stuff all the time. They go to Barcelona and win, but see in your hometown club beat some of the best teams in the world. And that season, and the season before, because one of the other memories is the game against Coventry. <laughs> Knew this was coming, mate. We, we uh, That season, the season before, we got to the, the, the League Cup final. And on the League Cup final, we beat Coventry 5-1 at home. You did. And, and it wasn't just a 5-1. We absolutely annihilated Coventry that game. But it, was a, it was a two-legged game for some reason. Yeah, um, I went to the, I went to the return at Highfield Road, and I really liked Highfield Road. I thought it was a great ground, Old, of course, but it was a great ground. And we were losing. We went two 0 down pretty quickly. I thought we're going to blow a four goal lead here, aren't we? And then it was. I think it was. It was he went three 0 because you guys had Mustafa Hadji playing for you. And as he. Did. We had Hadji and Chip over the two Moroccans. Yeah, yeah, the two Moroccans, the other ones, the other Moroccan. Yeah, and they were they were brilliant. And uh, then we scored a goal. And when it, as soon as we scored, we knew that was it. There was no way they were coming back because it, it was like a sucker punch. Because they were on mm. the country, were on the up on the mental. We thought, oh no, we scored. I can't remember who scored the goal. Was it Scott Taylor, maybe? What was Scott Taylor, mate? And, and uh, it went in and we went wild. But I remember that game because we come out of Highfield Road. And I don't know what the people of Coventry have been um, smoking or doing. It was like a war zone. There was people killing each other all over the place. And that I was, field, what, field, was 14, 15 at the time. Coming out of this dodging punches and people brawling to get back on the coach. But again, yeah. was, again, another one of those, because we had that reputation then of just anyone that came to Prenton Park, didn't matter which division, because we did the same to Leeds. There was the obviously the famous Southampton game where we were 3-0 down at half-time. And, you know, I think um, they, they had their full team out, you know, um, and who was the Glad Hoddle was the manager and they were 3-0 at half time and the second half we scored four goals and it's that bit of commentary you know oh Barlow oh, he's done it you know and it, um, they've done it uh, but we, we beat so many Leeds we did at home West Ham Sunderland all Premier League teams and they, the one team that was on my 18th birthday that beat us was Liverpool 4-2 at home and I was, I was on my 18th birthday and I remember being dead upset because I felt that we got it back to three-two, and Gary McAllister took a massive dive, and yeah, yeah. And there's the there's the link. Gary McAllister took a massive dive, and they scored the penalty, make it four. See, I remember those cup ties against Coventry um, in the late nineties. I've just looked at as you've been talking about. I've looked at the sides. I, I knew already that Chris Kirkland made his first team debut in the Highfield Road leg. Yeah, um, and he was a big the, lad. We're going, there's yeah. a giant in goal. Yeah, he's a kid as well. But, but you look at the side that we had out that day. Richard Shaw, FA Cup winner. Mo Cognit, who we signed from Monaco. Marcus Hall and, um, and Paul Telfer. Mark Edworthy. Hadji, who when we signed him, was African Player of the Year. Yeah. Coventry City signed African Player of the Year. I know, and, he, and, he, and you know what? He was brilliant. Yeah. Chippo, Gary McAllister, Carlton Palmer and Gary McSheffrey. Yeah, fair enough. McSheffrey was a kid at the time, but that's a that's a phenomenal side. Um, and, and you look you look at some of the names uh, in that Tranmere side, 
Actor Bird Yates, Chaloner, uh, Thompson Hill, uh, Alan Mann. It's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant football, isn't it? When you see that. Alan Mann and Jason Kumat were ballers. They really were. Clint Hill at the back when he played for us, oh, he was like a wrestler. I mean, he just, if he got, you couldn't get past him because if you did, he'd chop you in half. And yeah. George Santos was another one round at the time. I mean, I went I went away to Birmingham one year and we lost 3-0. I think I think we, we had a player sent off in the first half just because he, he just chopped somebody in half. It was like, oh, but I went home that, that year or those few years, I went near home and away to every single game. Mm. And I was getting out of school. I remember get, uh, we went to Palace one Saturday away and drew two all. We were two nil down with about three minutes to go and drew two all. And on the Tuesday night we played Charlton away. And I, I had to write my mate a dentist note and he had to write me one. So we could oh, yeah. get out from school early to get the, the coach down to Charlton. And the Charlton game we would go two nil up and lose three two. But I remember Gareth Roberts scoring an absolute well the other goal. He was oh he was again funny one he was released by Liverpool and went to play for Paninos in Greece. Or was it Cyprus? One of the two. And we got him from there and he was unbelievable. Really was. And then the, the last the last two memories, the Boreham Wood game at Wembley was probably the, the biggest release of tension mm. I had in my life. Because I don't know if you know, we had a player sent off yeah. in the first 40 seconds. And we were, we were heavy favourites to win that game. We were the best team in the league. We didn't go up because Macclesfield just went on a bizarre run of winning every game. And it was the second season we we come second, and even the first season we came second. Lincoln went up, deserved to go up, but we got something like ninety nine hundred and one points or something daft like that, and still didn't go up. It's crazy. So you go you go one nil down after so you go uh, down to ten men in the first minute, and we're all on. Oh, no, we've blown us already. We've blown it, and then we score, and we all go mad. It's just the pandemonium in our end. And then for what we we make all three substitutes in the first half because of injuries, we've got no substitutes to make in the second half. We're down to ten men, and we're holding the one nil lead. And then the referee adds some something like eight minutes on to the first half, and I think in the eighth minutes of the of the injury time they equalise, and oh. you're like, oh, it's a sucker, that's a massive sucker punch. And you think, I said, I said to my dad that they're going to go in deflated. There's ten men. There's no way we're doing this. Mm. And the second half, it was backs to the wall, but they didn't have any chances. Yeah. They never really put us under Kenny Cat. And that's where, if we'd had a, 11 players on the pitch and without the injuries, I think we'd have battered them. They never really put us under, you know, they were never going, oh, the shots here, the shot, the seat was saving, all sorts. So when we went up the other end, and if you listen to the, the BT coverage for that, was brilliant. And, you know, it's no one, and he nods it in. And even the goalkeeper makes a mistake. Because he can easily save it, and it kind of just bounces over his hand. But when it hit the net, my my brothers are like six three, and I've got one on each arm, you know, and we're going absolutely wild. I, I know you said about you, and I was taking the piss out of you fainting the other day. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. I yeah. could not breathe. I was like, <sighs> but I was had to scream still. And see, even towards the end of the game, they're just then starting to bombard high balls and. And we got Steve McNulty at the back, and he's just heading everything away. And we're get we're getting there. We nearly get a penalty away. That they cross a ball and that comes off our player's hand. I don't think the referee had the 
had the heart or balls to give that penalty, to be honest. Yeah, mate, he doesn't give it. That sounds like balls. <laughs> the final whistle goes, and Mickey Mellon legs it towards... If you, if you go on and watch the, the end of the game, the whistle goes, Mickey Mellon legs it towards us. Doesn't even shake the other team's hand. He just legs it towards us. And he's going like this, and then one of the players rugby tacks him. But the relief when that happened, I've just now it's just a wave. And I've cried once of football before when we lost the League Cup final to Leicester, and I was only mm, 15, 16. That, yeah. I was dead upset because the way it happened, we had a player sent off, and you know. But at the end of this game, bear in mind I'm in my thirties. There's, there's tears. I'm just oh, absolutely drained. Of all emotion, there's tears coming down. I'm hugging my dad and brothers and strangers. And Pete, and the other thing is people I haven't seen in 20 years because I don't live there anymore. We're coming out the ground, and there's people I haven't I haven't seen since I was in primary school. And we're, you know, we're all hugging and crying. And oh, it was just. I know it was right. quite recent, and there's been loads of good memories, but it was the way it was won. Of course, see, you mentioned about crying at games. We won the checker trade the season we got relegated and we had Oxford. And I remember we got to the final. Mark Robbins had just come back in, got to the final and um, Wembley tickets. We just got 45,000 sold out in fucking days. Sky Blue Army going down to Wembley. And I remember saying to, saying to me, mate, on the morning, I'm a coach. I was happy to see a score a goal because Oxford had beat us twice that season. Yeah. Didn't expect us to win. But I never thought I'd see Coventry play at Wembley, so I've got to take that. I was born after the 87 Cup final, just. So I, I haven't even got that to, to, to cling on to. Um, and we won. And I remember at the end just feeling so emotional because I'd seen this in the Premier League Championship, League One, we'd just been relegated to League Two. And in that moment, I'd seen us win at Wembley. And just like you say, just yeah. something came over me. And I'm not even ashamed to say it. It was unreal. But then we were back there the next season for the playoffs and... You know, it's it's like a second home now, similar to you guys. And you touched on that League Cup final. Um, bit harsh to call it a low moment because you know well, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a low. It was just an emotional low. Yeah, because because we'd beaten so many Premier League teams, getting there, and it was amazing. It was just the way we we did it. Um, see, when we equalised, I can't remember, like fifteen or sixteen. I picked my dad up. Now my dad isn't the tallest, but he's heavy. And I was a 15, 16 year old picking up an 18 stone man, you know, and I, I know I'm big now, but I used to be like a rake and David Kelly equalized. And again, the emotion there would just, and there was 30 odd thousand Tramia fans in that away end. Sorry. In the, in the end at Wembley. And this is one of the interesting facts we'll get to. We were the last Merseyside team to play at the old Wembley. Love that. And, 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 we just we went in, but we conceded the same goal twice. A Matt Elliott's header from a corner. We didn't yeah. look in trouble. For, even with that, down to 10 men, we didn't look massively in trouble. But Matt Elliott for 10 men uh, from headers from corners. The problem I had was the team selection that Aldridge made. He picked Joe Murphy in goal, who was very, very young at the time. Had he picked Achterberg, he saves both of those headers. Mm. And I remember my dad going to me at the end of the game goes, Active either got them, son. Either got them. And that, that, and that I think that was one of the the one of the last but it wasn't that it wasn't a it wasn't a low moment because it was amazing to get there and being with thirty odd thousand Tramia fans. It was just the after I was just devastated. Because I mm. thought we were gonna win a major trophy. <laughs> you know? oh, and yeah. we thought we were going to Europe. 
Imagine Tranmere going to Europe, <laughs> having AC Milan in front of <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, you get these dreams illusions. There was, a, there was a year in the FA Cup where if we'd have beat Millwall, we went, we went away to Millwall and drew nil-nil, and I went to Millwall, it was scary. And we played them at home, and we beat Millwall at home in the replay, in the quarterfinal. We got Sunderland, who were only in the division above, in the semi. And the way it worked out, if we got to the final, the team we played had already won, or, or was already going to get in the Champions League. So Tramley were going to Europe from League One. You know, that's how your mind works. Hang on, we could be going to St. Etienne here, lads. You know? <laughs> well, I should go back to 1998. Um, when we lost the quarterfinal to Sheffield United uh, on penalties at Bramwell Lane. Um, and if we, if we, when we got to the semis, we would have had Newcastle. And Newcastle got to the final and lost to Arsenal. And you just think we were that close. Because that, clo- that close yeah. goes to Europe, yeah. And you do, you have that idea of grandeur in yeah. your head. You think, you think, but we, we, were best. we lost 2 1 in that game to Millwall and they went 2 0 up. But even at 2 0 up, we're thinking, we're going to pull this back here. These are shite. Yeah. You know, and, and, and we and we got the goal back. I thought, we're going to do this. And then it didn't happen. And I was like, oh, but we're so close to going going to Wembley. Or it wasn't Wembley. We're so close to getting to Europe. But it doesn't even cross your mind. You've still got to beat Sunland at Wembley <laughs> to get yeah, to the, the FA Cup final, you know. Uh, which is no mean feat, but yeah. Um, we talked about being an emotional low, which I get. You, you were punching above your weight. You probably should never have been at that final against yeah. Leicester. Um, but you, you've been down in the depths of non-league, and I know you personally, you've been home and away at, at that time. How, how is that? You know, it, 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 the, 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 the first season is horrible for the first few months. It, the lowest points of watching Tramia and being involved with Tramia is that season we went down. Um, the club had just been sold to the Palioses, which was great, but the recruitment in the summer and bringing Mark, um, Edwards in, I can't remember his first name, um, that, that's how bad he was. But he was on a high to nothing because we were expected just to go straight back up. Yeah. We're in League 2, what are we doing here? We're going straight back up. We're a League 1 team, no problem. And it it, it transpired we weren't. And then Mickey Adams came in. And Mickey Adams first came in. We started winning games. And we're going, yeah, we can make the playoffs here. And then he had the most disastrous January transfer window, I think, bar Keith Hill. And he just brought in a load of mercenaries. And they just didn't want to know. And we, we went on some losing streak. And it got to the point where... At one point, a fan ran on the pitch and threw his season tickets at his face and was screaming at him. And the Tramia fans can be very toxic because mm. we do have a fair few. I know we laugh about attendances and stuff like that, <clears throat> but we do have a core of about 5,000. We'll go every game no matter what. And then we're doing well. It can creep up towards 8, 9, 10. But that core can be extremely toxic if things are going bad and it doesn't help. And and I'll, I'll be honest, I am one of them. When it's going badly, I can be I can be quite toxic. I mean, you you'll see some of the replies to the Tramia Twitter sometimes when they go. But the the atmosphere was hot. You get you get cut it with a knife. It was horrible in there. And the the game away when they got rid of Adams and they left, I can't remember they left in charge. But the game away at Plymouth where if we didn't win, we we were down. We took a fair few down, but I knew we were going down. 
And it, the, the the low was really, really low point there until you get to the first couple of games in non-league. And you went, hang on, this is really bad. So I went mm. to I went to Boreham Wood away in January, and it was nil nil. And and the playing, I'll tell you now, the stadium my son plays in at eleven is better than Boreham Woods ground now. And course, it, it, it is it was there was no basically no Boreham Wood fans in the in the stand. Gary Brabham is the tram manager at the time, and it's still toxic. It's still absolutely toxic, and we miss out in the playoffs that season. And I think that's the lowest point that we went down to non-league at the time with the biggest team down there by a country mile. We got the highest attendances by a long, long way, and we missed out in the playoffs. And Braintree get into the playoffs. Fucking hell! And that's that, and that, that is yeah. low. And I'm going. And then it was the next when Mellon came in. He said all the right things. Uh, he says, "Tram, you're a bigger club." And he's saying basically, "Tram, you're bigger than this. Tram, you belong in League One." But don't think that they don't deserve to be where they are now. Oh, but, uh, I, I, get, I get appreciate that, that massively. From Sheffield Wednesday fans and stuff like that, and t- big Sunderland. teams down in League One and League, you know, they go down. They think they deserve more, but they don't. You, you deserve to be where you are, unless, like with the COVID season, you get sent down by points per game, by 0.01 of a point, which is why we hate Rick Parry. I can't say anything. We won the league. He got promoted. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, you generally you're in the division you're in because you deserve to be in it. Yeah, hundred percent. And, and and people say it's it's not the fans' fault. Of course, it's not the fans' fault. But it, you know the club deserved to be where it was, and it had to rebuild. Hundred percent, mate. And it, it connected back with the it connected back with the fan base. And and how huge is that? You, we're it's going for a, a, we a, a, a cybersurgeons at the minute doing the same. I mean, you could talk. I know we've had a bit, there's been a few spats between the the owners and stuff like that. I I I love the owners. You know what? They've got the best interest of the club at heart, no matter what. They might get things wrong, and they have got things wrong. They had a concert at one point. Uh, we're all live, which instead of making us money, cost us money, and stuff like that. But it, it was all an aid of trying to make us some money. You know, the heart's in the right place. The heart's in the right place. Most, you know, nine times out of ten, they're not taking money out of the club, mm. um, and 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 I love them for it because before that, the the previous owner had us Peter Johnson. Now he he took us on that trip to the moon when we were in the Premier League, but as we started the decline, he lost interest and he was just trying to sell us. And and this is probably one of the we'll get into the interesting stories about the club. At one point, he gave it to this uh, I think it was an American firm to try and find a buyer. And they listed us on eBay. What? They listed the club on eBay. <laughs> That's fucking brilliant. So, right. I just need to clarify this. So, Tranmere Rovers Football Club were an item listed on the internet auction site eBay. Yes, they were. <laughs> and I, I, I can't remember. I can't remember. I don't know how much you're looking like. Five, six million. But it was on eBay. And I remember the uproar, you know, are you you're taking the piss? You know, that's yeah, not how you sound. But I'm sure the uh, Peter Johnson and his the people around were going, I've got this firm in to try and get a buyer, and they stuck us on eBay. What the what's going on here? You know, uh, but and, and that was around about I was thinking it was around about the time or just after that we had John Barnes as manager. Well, well this is something I wanted to bring up because I remember watching Sky Sports News 
at that time um, when John Barnes was manager and him and Jason McAteer, who it, it, I don't understand the logic behind the appointment in the first place because it's not like his Paul Trees anywhere else as a manager. Um, but it just felt like it was a shit show. It was. It was. And it was funny. It was my stag do that he got sacked. So I took all my mates over to watch Tramia play and we played Warsaw and we had 2-0 up. I'm thinking, is John Barnes turning it round? At the end of the game, it's 3-2 to Warsaw. And we're all outside the main stand. Loads of lads from Northern Ireland who've never been to Tramia games in life. All shouting, we want John Barnes out. Say, we want John Barnes out. <laughs> so he gets the sack and my abiding memory of John Barnes is he got the sack and he's having to pick his bike up and oh, put it back <laughs> Jason McAteer's car and be driven away. But we knew it was bizarre appointments. And again, the recruitment, we could see it. Now, don't get John Barnes played some interesting football. They actually tried to play some football. That's one word for it. But we can see there was a game, I think it was a Gillingham or Chesterfield at home, and we absolutely spanked them because they were playing good attacking football, but we could not defend. And we were going away from home and conceded five goals every game. And it yeah, was looking I mean, horrible. You know, and, and that was where I thought the, the club's really in decline here. And then he got rid of him. And then we we, we brought in our physio. Les Parry, the physio, had us for a year and a half. He kept us up. But it was like, it was kind of, he kept his tread in water. And then he, he went and Ronnie Moore came back in. Mm. And Ronnie Moore, it was a funny season that because we were top of the league by about 10 points coming into January. And then we lost James Wallace to injury. And we just it just fell apart. And James Wallace was a brilliant player. Once he got injured, and it's a long-term injury, he never really recovered from it. Once he lost him, and then uh, Wolves recalled back, what was his name? It's a striker anyway. His name escapes me. Someone will tell you in the comments anyway. Uh, they recalled him as well. And it just went nosedive. And it got to a point where Ronnie Moore was called betting on Tramia games or something daft and was sacked. Yeah. But it turned out he put like 50p on Tramia to win or something like that on his on his sister's brother's mother's account. You know, it wasn't like he was betting against us, but he got sacked for breaching the betting rules. And and from there, we went from John Barnes, which was bad, to Les Parry, it was bad. And then it was up a bit with Ronnie Moore. And then from there, it was like downhill, completely downhill from there. It's, to be fair, the last 15 years sound like a hell of a roller coaster. Uh, well, like, the, it's funny because it's been a roller, basically a roller coaster one way at the time, and then we got the double promotion, and we, we're a League One team. Well, sorry, we not team, League One club. I think that's a fair shout. And we, we uh, you, you go as far if you look at the teams in League One at the moment, you know, Sheffield Wednesday, Sunderland, Nipswich, and stuff like that. If you stick them in the Championship, we could be a bottom end Championship team. Yeah, yeah. We get we get fifteen, thirteen, fourteen thousand at home every game. We could be, but we're definitely a League One club. So, so this is the thing: you you look at clubs like Bournemouth. Uh, I, I've been to the Vitality this season. It's tiny, and you think, how do they operate on such a small? Well, well Bournemouth, they're a League oh. One club. Yeah, no, no, they are. <laughs> and that's, they are. And that's it with, because of all the money that's gone into certain teams. It's inflated them to a point where. And, and Fulham's one of them. Don't go, don't get, don't let Skibby fill your head. Fulham were fourth division when Mohamed Al Fayed took over. And there's yeah. teams like that up there that would, would never have been up there without well, a massive injection of cash. 
Burnley's another one. I'd never heard of Burnley until... Burnley's a funny one, though, because it wasn't a big injection of cash for Burnley. It was just run, run right. Yeah, but I'd never heard of him, I think, until... I think Kaza went there, didn't he? Back end of his career. He did, I think, yeah. I think him and Ian Wright went there. I was like, oh, where the fuck Burnley? Um, but you're right. It, it, the size that have really inflated and kind of got to positions where they shouldn't be. Um, the, you, you told some cracking stories there. And you mentioned some absolute legends that have played for the club. Um, Norwood is one that sticks out, out in uh, recent mind. You also Dixie had Dean. Mon- uh, sorry, Dixie Dean. Dixie Dean. Yeah, that's where he started at Tramia. Well, I did not know that. And um, what I did know, and I, I think it's one of the most obscure transfers um, in recent memory, is Big Dale Jennings leaving Tramia to the Bayern Munich. Um, Poor, you know what? It was great for us because we got nearly a million pound from. It was the wrong move for Dale Jennings. 100%. It really was. He was he he looked every bit a Premier League player. He was gonna. Be, I I think he'd be in the Premier League now if he'd have stayed at Tramia. Oh, 100%. a couple of seasons. It was the um, wrong move because he's a lad from the local area. He was never gonna learn German. <laughs> start. You know, it's different going going from you know Jaden Sancho going from Man City to Dortmund. Than it is a lad from Tramia going to Bayern Munich. <laughs> no, hundred percent. And I, I know I've told you this story, um, but I bumped into Dale Jennings when he was playing for MK Dons on a train. Uh, Recognised him, had a conversation with him, and he's such a down to earth lad. Yeah. Um, really, really nice. And he's on his way back up to to, to the Wirral. And I'm, I'm, I did. I, I said to him, I was like, "That move to Bayern Munich, mate." He said, "Look, who can turn down one of the biggest clubs in the world?" Exactly. And, and uh, again, you know. You can't knock him for that, he said. But hindsight's a wonderful thing. He said, I would have been better off getting a championship move or yeah. going, or, or getting a move to a Premier League club and go, coming back on loan to Tramway for a season or two. Yeah. Just to kind of like l- learn learn my trade that way. He said, but look, I've learned some lessons. Um, I've, I've enjoyed my career and, and I'll keep going. And to be fair, I, I know he was knocking around at Barnsley for a bit, MK Dons. Yeah, um, he end up, he end, he end, he's in non-league now somewhere. And well, it's such a shame because, like you say, he had all the talent in the world. If you go watch his goal, I think against Plymouth in League One, and it's just, you go, wow. And he was like 18 at the time. You go, mm. wow, this kid looks like a handful. He looks like a good, good player. And oh, it's, it, just, it, it's just, I, just I, a shame. If anyone doesn't really know who Dale is, if you, if you look at the sort of trajectory that Deli Ali had playing for MK Dancing and Spurs, I think a similar sort of move would have done Dale Jennings the world of good. Yeah, yeah. Um, r- rather than doing what he did, going and playing for Bayern Munich second team, like you say, away from home, didn't speak the language, didn't know the culture. Yeah. It, it, it really knocks him about a little yeah. bit. As I say, it's difference with, with, with Jaden Sancho or Jude Bellingham up there. They're going out there with loads of advisors around them. Jude Bellingham was a big transfer to Bayern Munich, sorry, to Dortmund. Yeah. And he's got, he's got a team of people around them. Dale Jennings went to Bayern Munich on his own. He didn't have yeah. he didn't have agents and advisors and translators with him. You know he couldn't afford any of that. You know whereas th- those boys, Jude Bellingham, Jaden Sancho, you know all those kind of ones that have gone out there, all have that kind of agent stroke translator with them and you know. And uh, and look, mate, I, I think it's fair to say that he paved that path for them. Yeah. Um, you know, to to show those clubs that there are there is talent in England. And he's shown them the wrong way to do it. Well, we, we discussed this at length on the Football League show about that the problem in England is 
the big Premier League teams just hoover up all the talent because yeah. the way the the system is now, where the, you get you get basically a solidarity payment and maybe a bit of compensation. They're not buying the lower leagues' best players; they're just signing them off them, and there's nothing yeah. they can do anymore. And and what's happening is you look at the likes of Jade and Sancho and stuff like that, and you know players around there. If they don't move elsewhere, they're never going to get in the team, and mm. they're farmed out on loan back down the lower leagues. And it's that under-23 thing that they play in under-23 football. They go back to the lower leagues. They are kicked everywhere. The parent team goes, oh, he's never going to be good enough. And release him. Well, I think the perfect example, we've got Jake Clark-Zolter on loan this season from Chelsea. He's been there nine years. He's been on loan to Vitesse Arnhem, Sunderland, Bristol Rovers, Birmingham. Carve, you know, He's never going to get anywhere near their first team because they'll just go out and buy Rudiger. You know, these... <laughs> Well, they're not going to develop. Being, yeah, being farmed out to different teams every year for nine years, you're never settled anywhere and you're never developing. Mm. You know, you're, you're seen to the club that's getting you on loan as a temporary stopgap. You know, we need this position, in he comes. They're not going to be too concentrated on developing as a player. Well, what's the thing? He's injured at the minute and he's back at Chelsea getting treatment. And it's like, whereas, how can you get settled with that? Because yeah. surely it's better for him to stick with Coventry and get them. Given with him as well, he's, he's out of contract at the end of the season. I can't see Chelsea offering a 24, 25-year-old defender that's never made a first-team appearance in a deal. Yeah. And you know what happened with him? He'll end up in League Two. Yeah. With, you know, with with, with a Tramia. With a, yeah. You know, you know and, and that's, his, that's his career then, trajectory completely down south because... There's there's only there's only one not many players have picked up back from League Two to go back up the leagues. Once you end up down there after being released by a Premier League club, it's very rare a player comes back up again. Now there yeah. is some, there is, but it's it's not very often. It, it, it's a hard hard journey, let's be honest. Um, so, so, there's some notable former players that have, that have uh, worn the white, but I, it, the, I've got one, one straight off the bat. One, come on, Jordan Ponticelli was probably one of the worst strikers I've ever seen put a Tramia shirt on. He, well, was... he is just... I mean, they were, it was supposed to be this next big thing coming from Coventry, and the Coventry fans themselves... I, I like Coventry and I like Coventry fans, but they're all on the Twitter saying, oh, he'd be brilliant there. He was useless. Now, to give, to give you a little bit of a backstory, uh, uh, you know, Jordan came through as a local lad, confident in the 23s, and... He was too good for under 23s football. He was scoring two goals a game. Yeah. Um, but at that point, we had Matt McNulty scoring, Max Biano scoring. We, 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 were, we were firing on all cylinders, brought him back again. You know, we had proven players at that level. So it was getting out on loan, getting from first team football. Um, and I expect him to go to a League, club, a league Two side. And then we loaned him to Tramia in the same division as us. And I thought, oh, okay. And I, to be fair, mate, I was probably one of those ones on Twitter saying, oh, you've got yourself a gem, yeah? The only yeah. problem is he's always struggled with his weight. Um, and if you see photos of him now at Wrexham, he's a stocky lad. Um, <laughs> and I, I think that's one of those things, you know, he's gone from, and we've touched on it with the, the Checker Trade Johnson trophy, whatever it is now, these kids playing for the under-23s and being, walking around giving it the big I am because they they're the best in their age group. But when they get playing against men and they get kicked the shit out of, they don't know what to do. And yeah. I think that's what happened with Ponticelli. 
when when Peter Clark tackles you with his head, it's a different ball game, you know. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. And you know, we're, we're talking about club connections. Peter Clark is a name that sends shivers down my spine. Uh, we had him on loan in the season we got relegated. He played four or five games. Uh, Russell Slade. Oh, I can't believe I'm saying that name. I feel sick saying it. Russell Slade came in for a spell, and his first signing was Peter Clark. Fuck me, he was terrible. Um, just, Which is surprising because everywhere else he's gone, he's, done really he's been well. brilliant. And this is the thing: when we signed him, I thought, here we go. You know, we've got this guy who's been unknown everywhere. He's done really well, but nah, not for us. It was really, really weird. You know, he, he was he was at Huddersfield for years. Yeah, one of the um, thing, one of the one of the things is with Oldham. Oldham released him about three years ago, or four years ago, when we picked him up, and they released him because he was too old. And it's always a running joke. When we go back to play Oldham, he's still playing for us. And he's the best player on the pitch. And and you look at their Twitter when we won 1-0 away from home. Guaranteed one Oldham fan goes, aye, that Peter Clark was well too old to play for us, wasn't he? <laughs> we, we've got the clean always. sheet, you know? Always. Um, some other notable names that have done the sky blue uh, and the white and blue. Um, Declan Drysdale. De- Declan Drysdale, we signed from you guys. He was one of the ones that you know, we talk about Bigger clubs taken. Mm. He, he was coming through. He come from our youth system. Um, he looked quite promising. We wouldn't say he was the most promising thing we had. And then Coventry offered him a better contract than we could, so we went. Uh, yeah. I don't think he's got on too well, has he? Really? He's played a handful of first team games. Um, went on loan to Gillingham last season. Um, and oh, Jesus, that's the yeah. place players go yeah. to die. And to be fair, I, I spoke to Scoops about him. He said anyone but him, he was shit. But then he went to Cambridge and won the league. Um, and again, you're playing in League Two compared to League One. Yeah, uh, of course. And I think that might be a sort of level. He's one of the players we talk about at the minute that should probably go out on loan. Um, he's, he's still playing in the 23s. He played the first round of the Carabao Cup this year against Northampton. Uh, didn't look out of place against Northampton. So again, you know, that's the sort of side I'd expect him to go to. Um, but he's, he's a big strapping lad. He looks like he's got some potential, but he yeah. needs to start realising it. Well, that, that's, um, a, that's a thing. That, that, there's plenty of big players with loads of potential come through. They just never realise the potential. Yeah, uh, he, of course. Uh, Ross Barkley is a prime example of that. He was touted yes, the, the next Wayne Rooney, and he has all the ability in the world, but he's never realised the potential. Yeah, uh, 100%, mate. Um, I, I couldn't agree more with that statement. A um, couple of more notable ones that uh, are, are still playing now. So Tom Davis obviously uh, is playing for you guys at the minute. He only played a season for you guys, didn't he? he got like forty yeah. appearances in one season. And he was so unlucky. He got injured um, in the playoffs and maybe even been suspended for the playoff final. League two lost his place to Dom Hoyle in the build-up to it. And Dom, Dom's gone on and made over hundred appearances for Cov since we signed Dom. As a, as a backup under 23 player from Reading, and he's yeah. gone on just to go from, you know, stride to stride. I, I like Tom Davis, he's, he's a good, good player. Um, but everyone really speaks about Tom Davis, they say, Oh, he's great for us, and picked up an injury. Mm. However, he hasn't picked up an injury for us yet. But Bristol City fans have said the same thing, they, they, thought, they thought he was great, but he picked up an injury, and that was the end of him. I'll tell you what's funny because we spoke about him earlier. His best mate's Matt McNulty. Is he? Yeah. It's um, funny that because uh, maybe that was part of the yeah, come here, Mark. You know, yeah, and, it, again, he was he was due to come, but 
it, and it's crazy because they were thick as thieves. Uh, them and Jack Grimmer, the right back, uh, who's now at Wickham. Um, th- those three kind of were a bit of a package. And then when they left, it, it felt really weird as a fan. You kind of felt a little bit empty. Um, but you, you've got someone who I think is a massive unsung hero for Cov, uh, Joe Murphy, the, the keeper. I know he came through with Tram there. Yeah. Um, we signed him when we got relegated to League One, I believe. Yeah, off Scunthorpe. Um, and he, he was our keeper for a good two, three years. I really liked Joe. I thought, I thought he was a good, solid League One goalie. Um, but then... Mark Robbins left to Huddersfield and took him with him. Um, and I, I was good about that because, like I say, I thought I, I thought he was a good keeper. And I know he, he banded around a little bit. Um, he was one of the unfortunate ones at Berry, but he, he's found his way back to Tranmere now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is he, is he starting much, is he? Or, or is he sort of. No, he, he is. He's, he's starting, you know, he's starting games. He's, uh, like I said, he's solid. I mean, I, I, I like him a lot. You know? Yeah. Uh, Nice chap as well, you know, the, the couple of demons I've had with him. Lovely, lovely guy. I mean, the, the one, one that stands out to me, though, is Sean Flynn. Sean Flynn. What a guy he was. My first, my first, um, I suppose, impression of Sean Flynn, was I think we played, we played Shrewsbury away in a pre-season friendly. I remember going down with my dad and my stepmom at the time. So it was a bit of a road trip with my dad. We went and watched it, and he gave the ball away, and he got a bit of abuse in the stands. So he got down and gave us ten press ups in the middle of the game. And Whoa. you know what? He was a he was a limited footballer, but he gave you well, absolutely everything. Well, we signed him from non-league as a Premier League side under Phil yeah. Neal, um, and it was a little bit before my time. So I became a Cod fan as Ron Atkinson took over. Um, oh, what what happened to Big Ron? Can't remember, man. Can't remember. Um, I think he, I think him and Marcel Desai had an argument or something. I can't remember. Um, or he stayed in a sunbed too long. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, yeah, I can't, can't quite remember. But big one didn't like Flynn, um, and let him go. I, I think. Where did he go? Did he end up? Did he end up at Villa? Derby. He went to Derby under Jim Smith, um, and then I want to say. He did play for uh, West Brom. Is it West Brom? Because he, I, I know he played for Stoke. Yes. At some point. He's, his brother is a massive cop fan. He's, also, he's always on the Facebook fan forum. He's a little bit. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he, he's, quite, he's quite funny because he always, brings, he always brings him up randomly, saying, oh, my brother Shawman still do a job. Yeah. Well, he, he, he came to us in, the, in 2000 um, from West Brom. I thought it was a decent signing that, you know, and then he spent what two seasons with us. And I, you know what? I liked him. He give everything. He really did. He's and that he, sort of player, wasn't he? he, was, yeah. he was and then he ended up a he ended up at Kidderminster. Really? Yeah, he went to Kidderminster after us and played. He played. I can't think, he must play for a couple of seasons at Kidderminster, maybe a season. Uh, and then from then on, he just dropped off the radar. I don't know. I think well, I think I heard he played for Penzance at some point. Well, that, that would make sense. I know now, and again, I, I say this because of his brother being vocal on the Facebook fans forum, that he owns a caravan site in Cornwall. Oh, that does make sense because <laughs> I've just, I got, if, I, if I look him up now, he'd play for Penzance and Falmouth. 
He's only missing St. Ives to, go, to, to yeah, finish yeah. off the, 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 the Cullis treble. He, was he, actually, he actually managed um, Mullion. Never heard of him. No, right, neither have I. Never heard of him. Um, and one player that, um, again, I, I think it's a little bit unsung. We um, were signed by one of Cobb's worst ever managers, Andy Thorne. But it's another Jennings. Andy Thorne played for Tramier as well. Did he? Big, like big, that. big fat defender. Big fat defender. I think it was like a Palace. Yeah, Palace, sorry, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. And Steve Jennings was an interesting character. Um, he was a bit a bit of a Marmite player at Tramier, I'd say. I liked him. Um, mm. he, again, he was limited. But he worked but, hard. But he worked hard. He did. He did work hard. He was one. He came through our academy, mm. and end up. I think he ended up at Coventry, and then he came back to us. And, and he did. But the the last spell he had was he, he'd lost his pace entirely. He just he mm. just couldn't keep up with anyone. But he gave everything, and I I quite liked him. But we've had a lot of players over the years like that. I mean, if I mention the name Danny Harrison, there'll be that'll send shivers down a few Tramway fans' spine. But so all the other ones that go, ah, that lad was all right. You give it a little, you know. We've had a lot of those just kind of functional, does a job kind of players, and I'd mm. say Steve Jennings was one of them. Well, we only had him for a year, but he scored a goal in potentially my favourite of a game at home. So we played Preston in, I think it's the semi-final or the area semi-final of the Johnson's Paint Trophy, whatever it was. It was on Sky. Uh, Stuart Bevan had put Preston on 1-0 up and Jennings equalised in the 86th or 87th minute. He'd never scored for us before, so we're all bloody out. And then Leon Clark scored in the last, pretty much last kick of the game to, to, to win the toy for us. Um, and everyone forgets that Jennings scored that first goal that game because everyone yeah. remembers Leon Clark scoring at the end. Well, you got him from Motherwell, didn't you? Because I remember him, at the time, he played he played quite a bit for Tramia. Uh, especially the 2009 season, and we were kind of yeah. we were gutted he left on a free transfer to Motherwell. And I thought it was a bizarre kind of place to go, and then he ended up at Coventry after that. Yeah, um, I think we signed him and a lad from Hibs the same summer, um, and the lad from Hibs ended up doing the thing, doing us on. Um, but yeah, I think he played the best part of 50 games. You know, he, he was never present. Yeah. Um, he, he's funny because he's been with us several times. So he started with us. He went, he went, he went Motherwell, Coventry, and then back to us. And then he went to Port Vale for a bizarre season. And then he came to us on loan from Port Vale. And, and that was the season we went down to the, the the conference, I think. And I think that was when he came, when he came then. We're going to go down here. We're signing on players on loan from fellow League Two clubs. Mm. Unless Port Vale were in League One at the time, but that I thought we're signing our old players from other League Two clubs. We're in trouble here. Uh, but then he ended up. He, 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 he then played for us in the Conference a fair bit, and then he ended up at Southport. And then he, when you end up at when you go from Tramies to Southport, there's a number of clubs you're going to end up at some point. Uh, and, and then the number of players that play for Tramia and end up playing for Warrington. Is extremely high. <laughs> it's kind of the. It's kind of the. You either go, you either go Tramia, Southport, Warrington, or you go Tramia, Chester, Warrington. It's that's the route. <laughs> but it all ends up in Warrington. Yeah. Um, 
that the collection is open finally. If anyone knows of any more potentially before my time or Echo's time, feel free to let us know. But um, oh, there'll, there'll be loads from mid nineties because yeah, you were Premier League and we were we were we were bringing players like Gary Stevens and Sean Teal and you know players like that that have been around a number of Premier League clubs. So I'm sure there's loads. If you Google play for Tramier and Coventry. I reckon you'd find a fair few, but they were just the ones I remember. Yeah, the, the, playing like you say, the, the, they're the ones that kind of sprung to my mind. And to be fair, three of them were looking at your current squad, um, so yeah. that kind of brought them out. There's some stinkers in there, let's be honest. And, and we like to finish with. Um, you always hear people talk about their heroes and their best 11s, but no one talks about those absolute stinkers. Um, so this is where we like to ask you. To build a side, whether it's eleven aside, five aside, whatever you want, of the worst players to have pulled on that badge. There's going to be some recency bias in here, so try your fans listening to this. I'm sorry I haven't pulled out some awful player from the early nineties because, yeah, there's just some names that just stick out to me immediately. So in goal, Steve Wilson. Um, purely, I think, for a penalty shootout miss. I remember him being a very terrible goalkeeper, but he missed a penalty. Uh, he missed in a penalty shootout, and a goalkeeper missing a penalty shootout just deserves to be on the worst goalkeepers list. Uh, we got a boy from Liverpool called Godwin Antwi one season. What a name! What a name, by the way. You know what? While while we're here, I want to Google what this kid's doing now because honestly, he was the worst footballer I've seen in my entire life. So, hang on, there we go. I'm going to give you his, his clubs. This is how it went. Liverpool, Accrington on loan, he played nine games. Hartlepool on, nine, on loan, 27. Tramia, seven games. This is a boy from Liverpool, got seven games of Tramia. <laughs> then he went to Hereford. Then he went to VG Bold Club and then VG Colding. Bodo Glimt, Siskat, DRP Hickam and then Malika United. And wow. from 2006 to 2017, he played only 172 games. The, but the, the the problem was that, or oh, not problem, this boy was a Spanish under-19 international. And he was horrific. I mean, oh, Ben is a better right-back than he was. <laughs> oh, he's just, he was just, and he's, he's down, I think he may have played, he may have played centre-back, stroke right-back, and one of those players can do both. Yeah. But he was just awful. Uh, he's brought us to Liverpool Academy by remember they had that guy was it Paco Herrera? Yeah, as, as the as one of their head scouts and oh I don't know what he's seen in him because I didn't see a footballer. He was bad. They had quite a few at that time that were really weird, didn't they? Yes. Um, that like you said, they got nowhere near the first team. Da- Danny was a Danny Pachicho. Yeah. Um, remember Anthony Latalic. Latalic Cinema Pongal. Yeah, um, well, at least Florence and Pongol scored a few goals, didn't they? But, oh, but yeah, they had the, some bizarre the ones. And they brought in Bruno Shavro, and I remember, yeah. I remember at the time they called him the next Zidane. Yeah. Oh, and the only thing he looked he liked the Zidane was he was bald. Yeah, that he was, was, that bald. was the only reason. And, and he wore Adidas Predators. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> that was literally I remember he, it. a number of years before that. He brought a guy called Sean Dundee in. And oh, he oh fuck this man, guy yeah. Sean Dundee, and he was just pathetic. He was, he I was think, very, he got from Germany somewhere, maybe in Dortmund. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So in midfield, now this is recency bias, but 
any Trowey fans listening will know why I picked him. Ali Crawford. Now, Keith Hill brought in Ali Crawford and let go Ollie Banks. Ollie Banks, while sometimes a lazy shite, was a good footballer. And he brought in Ali Crawford from Bolton on loan, again, in our division. And he's supposed to be a good footballer. I'm better than him. <laughs> I'm 38 and 16 stone. I'm better than him. Because this guy was not good at all. He really, really wasn't. Uh, and I'm sure somebody will say to me, you know, oh, he wasn't that bad. And I know it's recency bias, but the, the, that January transfer window that Keith Hill had, where he brought in Ali Crawford, Naya Kirby, and David Nugent, was just the, the second worst transfer window in history. That was sound good. He was bad. He was bad. He really was. And Ollie Banks is still putting in massive performances for Barrow and banging yeah. in goals. And the, the, he scored goals from all over the park. I mean, he, he wasn't prolific goal scorer, but when he when he hit a ball, it was going in. And it was going in well, you know. He scored our our goal against Forest Green in the playoff semi final, and it's the first time they'd used goal line technology in League Two. And I hit the other side of the bar and come back out, and I guarantee that goal was not getting given without the goal line technology. It was like it was the big thing on Sky. It was the first time they've ever used goal line technology in League Two football, and within about fifteen minutes, they'd had to use it. Brilliant. So it, it, it just shows it should have been there. Uh, yeah, well, all, all along, mate. And I've gone for two strikers now. The first one is Michael Ricketts. Former Bolton and England international, Michael Former Bolton and England international. And I'm going to use the word England international loosely because David Nugent was also an England international and a goal scorer. Michael Ricketts, by the time he got to us, was at least eight stone overweight. The boy couldn't run. And actually, I want to look it up. I don't know how old he was when he got here. It wasn't like he was old. He had that one good season for Bolton. And that, that yeah. doesn't help him. If we're getting a player that used to play for Bolton, doesn't help you straight away. Um, I'm surprised you've said that name three times. In I know. I, I, sorry, sorry, guys. I meant not lob. That's what we call them. So he came to us in 2009 and 2010 off the back of a spell at Walsall where he'd scored 12 yeah. goals and 30 appearances, which... On the face of it, isn't that bad. But he scored two goals in 12 for us. And he was supposed to be like, I think it was the John Barnes season again, like our marquee signing. But if you look, he scored 37 goals for Bolton in 98 games after going from Warsaw. But he went out on loan to Borough, Leeds, Stoke, Cardiff, Burnley, Southend, Preston, Oldham. And we got him and then back to Warsaw. And that's where we got him. But in between that, if you look at his, he scored 78 goals in his whole career. And that boy played for England as a striker. That's mental, isn't it? I, I remember him coming through at Bolton. I tell you, I remember him coming through at Warsaw. Yeah. Um, and then getting the move to Bolton. I thought, oh, you know, this this is a good move for him. He's, he, he was a very he was like a nice player. He was like a beat tech Heskey, though, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He was ba- he was basically yeah he was basically pound shop Heskey. Yeah, and I didn't uh, think Heskey was good. <laughs> no, exactly that. But, but, but you could see why Sam Allardyce wanted him and brought him in. And, and he, he, was effective, he was effective to start with. Well, he and scored he, one season. He scored twenty odd goals, didn't he? Was it? Yeah. Was it fifteen, twenty odd goals? And he got his call up to England. And he played against Holland. Uh, but Sven, Sven, Sven gave him the cap, and obviously Sven used to give out caps to people walking past him in the street. He did. 
Well, he, he did Franny Jeffers one, didn't he? Um, oh, well, do you know what? Franny Jeffers is an interesting one. He, he could have been brilliant. I just think once he got to move to Arsenal, ruined it. Yeah. Down, down in London, the big city and all that, you know, get you know, get your head turned. You, I'm not, I'm not going to say you got, you know, he was on coke. Yeah, all, I would say that, but you know, that kind of thing does go on. And he's only young, and but he was dead quick. He was the fox in the box, and he went to Arsenal, and that ruined his career. And he, I think he did play. He played for us in a pre-season game, and we chose not to sign him. You know, that was what, what that. And grace. And I suppose the, the last one then is again, it's a bit, a bit of recency bias. We had a guy on loan from Sheffield United in when we were in the conference called Michael Higdon. I don't Michael know if you know. Higdon, yes. I don't know if you know who Michael Higdon is. You don't want to know. Um, I know the name, but I... he, he was a striker, and he, he started out as a crew, and then he ended up he, he went all he went all over Scotland. He, he ended up at um, a, a Dutch club. It was NEC. It was NEC. It wasn't Breda though. It was NEC. Something. Not Megan. That's the one. Uh, and then he went to Sheffield United. Yeah, I and, remember him at Sheffield United. He spent a couple of seasons there, but he never scored any goals for them. But I mean. No. I, I think he got two goals, and then he. This is Sheffield United who were in the championship. He went on loan to Oldham, did okay in the. He, I think he had about ten games at Oldham, scored five goals, something like that. And then he comes towards me, thought, you know what? He's a championship player. He's played in Scottish Premier League. He, he might be all right. He says, you know, he's the same age as me. Uh, he might be all right. He's from. We have got this habit of signing players from that are from the local area. And Michael Hidden, of course, was a scouser, but he came in, and oh my God, he was awful. He, he really, I went to watch him, it's a funny story, I went to Chester away. Uh. We won 1-0 through a James Norwood penalty, and we couldn't get tickets for the away end. And because what, what Chester then did is they stopped Trammy fans buying in the home end by... Um, bar and anyone with a CH postcode. Mm. But if we see um, a bit of history, the Wirral used to be part of Cheshire, but then it was absorbed into Merseyside, and it, everyone on Merseyside then received an L postcode for Liverpool. And then a few years back, they reverted the Wirral back to CH. So anyone with a certain CH postcode, they wouldn't sell to. So my brothers and my dad rang me and says, "Yeah, can you get these tickets for us? Because your postcode is BT." It's Belfast to beat. Ah, yeah, I'll get tickets. Where will I get them for? So where did I get them for? Now they got a, uh, a part of the ground called H Block, where all the uh, inverted commas hooligans sit. Right, you know, you know the the eighteen, nineteen year old hoodie wearing Stone Island. Yeah, you know the ones. So I get these tickets, and then I go, and I, here we are. I'm coming over. I'll bring the tickets with me. I mean, I go. You know where we're sitting, don't you? It's like, oh, what, where are we sitting? Because we're sitting right by the away end where their fans who are, you know, are giving it loads and wanting to fight. We're sitting in the middle of them. <laughs> so, oh, so that's just, listen, me and my brothers, like, I'm the smallest of me and my brothers. I'm six foot, six, two, six, three, but they're all big lads. My dad's, he's not tall, but he's a big fella. And uh, we says, listen, just just to keep the peace, don't do anything daft, you know, don't be shouting and stuff like that. So we all sat there, bear in mind, I'm in my mid-30s at the time. But when James Norwood scores, 
we all go mental. Of course you do. Of yeah. course you do. But, but the problem for the H block was the away ends go mental. And half the home ends go mental as well. Those boys that are all giving it loads and kicking off are surrounded by Travia fans as well. <laughs> so, there's, so there's just loads of Travia fans surrounding them so they couldn't kick off because oh, it wouldn't have worked at the time. And I, that, that the one thing I miss about the non-league days is being able to go to... We went to a number of grounds where we outnumbered the home fans. Yeah. You know, or we get to, when we get to Southport and they give you two, set, two whole stands... And stuff like that. And nine times out of ten, we go to away games in, in non-league, and we would outnumber the home fans. And so it was like going away. I always find going away is better than going home for the atmosphere because you're all in a small section together and you're all singing. But if you can go to an away game and you get that atmosphere, but you feel like the home fans as well, it's uh, it's even better. But that, that, that but Michael Higdon, he he got into the team. He was in the team with, with was it Fulkirk? Um, and he got he got in ahead of when he was a crew he was ahead of Luke Varney and Nicky Maynard in the pecking order, you know. And you think those two are decent strikers in the in the in the in the day. Uh, oh. Anyway, he ended up at Bangor City, and he played well, a couple I, of games. I think that says everything, doesn't it? I, I think yeah. that, I think that sums him up. Um, echoes, mate. It's. It, I can sit here and talk to you about football all night, mate. It's been absolutely unreal. Um, and I now feel like I kind of understand why you choose Tramir over uh, any of the bigger clubs, as it were, in inverted commas. Um, I mentioned in the intro, you, you do your Twitch, you do your YouTube. Uh, where can people find you if they want to see you talk nonsense about football? Manager, mate? See me talk nonsense about football? I mean, stand outside my house. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, on on Twitch, it's twitch.tv forward slash echoes. It's E-C-X-O-E-S. Um, on Twitter, it's it's at Echoes Gaming. And then on YouTube, it's just it's it's Echoes Gaming as well. And on a Monday night, we do the Football League Lowdown on Scoops Callahan's channel, which is twitch.tv forward slash Scoops Callahan 1. Uh, and I do that with, with Neil here, um, Skibby, who's a Fulham fan. And He's Scoops, been on the show. Yeah, Scoops, who's a Gillingham fan, who I, I believe is coming on he is. soon as well. He he, he he won't be as interesting, I'll be honest. Nah, and and he is eight years he, younger than me, but he, his hair is a lot greyer. He is indeed. He is indeed. He's loving that booth on Blessed. Um, I'll, I'll make sure that when this is released, mate, we, we, we have all your socials in there. But again, thank you very much for um, speaking to me tonight about all things from here. And I wish you all the best for the season. Thanks very much, Justin. I hope you go up. So do I, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate.